What's up, everybody? My name is Adam Badger, and welcome to Talkin' Fit. What's up, guys? Thank you for listening. Glad to have you here. I'm sure you know by now if you've been listening to this. If you have value out of the episode, just share it. It's not that hard. Share it. Leave a five-star review. Subscribe. Leave a comment. Whatever you want to do. But above all, if you're sharing it out there and getting it to other people, that is all I ask of you is just to share it out. Uh, if you feel like you're getting valuable information out of this these episodes. Um, and if you're not, let me know what I could talk about to give you some value to get you to want to share. Let me know if you need a gift card incentive, if I should do a gift card giveaway for the most amount of shares in a week or something like that. Um, but yeah, sharing it out there is very, very important and helps the podcast grow. And I genuinely feel like there's some good quality information on here. So if you have the time, go ahead and share it out if you're feeling like you're getting value out of this episode because I see people listen to it. So share it out. Anyway. Uh, today we're going to talk about 12 common mindset blocks that ha- that actually prevent uh, weight loss for most people. Now, it doesn't mean that your mind magically creates fat on your body out of thin air or that your mind prevents you from uh, lean muscle growth. What happens is your mind controls your behavior. So your mindset has a lot to do with this. This is why um, you know diets in the past haven't worked for you. This is why your calorie number and your protein number aren't the end-all be-all of your weight loss program or your fat loss program or your body recomposition program. And this kind of goes across the board for pretty much anyone, any fitness goal that you have, these 12 things could apply to you. So it's not just for like substantial weight loss. It could be just for body recomposition. It could be for performance in the gym. Um, But mainly it's going to be weight loss and fat loss. And I guarantee you, that you've probably thought at least one of these things, if not most of them. Um, I think most people do have a ton of these mindset blocks. I've had them myself in the past, uh, and I see clients have them every single day, and that's what we coach them through. So you can go on Google and you can type in, you know, your, you can go on Google and type in a calorie calculator, and you could f- type in your height, weight, estimated workout routine um, and they'll give you calories and protein to try to hit Um, the calories are obviously important it's what controls whether or not you lose weight but what actually is the barrier that prevents people from seeing results is their mindset towards the process and also they're just like overall their mindset towards exercise towards diet towards nutrition Um, it and also towards their own behavior. It can really affect the way you go about things and how long you stick to them. So the calories and the protein are very, very important, but that's like surface level shit that you can get for free on Google. If you have tracked your calories in the past and you haven't seen sustainable weight loss, it's not the calories. It doesn't mean that you necessarily need new calorie numbers. It means you're not being consistent or you're not sticking to it or you are sabotaging yourself because of one of these mindset blocks that I see a lot. So let's get into it. Mindset block number one is pretty broad. Uh, It's just having a diet mindset. Um, This, again, you've probably done this yourself where you're going into a fitness goal, you're trying to try to lose weight, and you just go into it with that diet mindset. I'm going on this diet to get to this result. And as soon as you start the process that way and you haven't actually built a baseline of year-round 
normal, consistent behavior, you're kind of setting yourself up for failure. And I, I don't even like to use the word failure because I don't necessarily think that any attempt at losing weight or bettering yourself is necessarily failure. It just means you're not going to stick to it or you're not going to get to your goal or you'll get to your goal and then you'll you know gain the weight back so it's not failure don't look at it like black and white like that um, i actually talked to a client about this the other day you have to look at your entire um life as like one big uh you know goal or one big game i was comparing it to like a sports game and when you have losses it's not as if they're not losses it's just like the other team scoring points uh, so it doesn't mean you're out. It doesn't mean that the game's over. It just means you got to figure out how to score some more points so you can catch up. So if you've tried diets in the past and they haven't worked for you, you didn't fail at weight loss or fail at dieting. You just didn't do it correctly that time. You learn from it and you go to the next thing. So the pass-fail mentality uh, is tied into the diet mindset. You're going into it and you're changing. You're making big drastic changes to get to a result as quickly as possible, which means you're probably not going to stick to it long term. Um, and it doesn't matter what the, the diet is. It doesn't matter how cool it sounds or how well it's marketed. And it doesn't matter if uh, it's quote unquote worked for you in the past. If you've gained the weight back, it didn't work for you. So you have to keep that in mind when you're approaching this, if you catch yourself having that diet mindset and people just have it, uh, you know, pretty um, involuntary, like, you know, when they're starting a process. And even if I'm I have clients who come in and I'm telling them up front, like, hey, we're going to build a base first. We're going to implement stuff slowly. We're going to see long term changes. We're really going to change this time. Like, this is the last time you're ever going to need a coach. So no, nothing drastic right off the bat. And they're already in the mindset of like, okay, well, like I need to go grocery shopping this weekend. I need to like prep my house for this. Uh, you know, just should I eat pizza this weekend because I'm not gonna be able to eat it for the next few months? And I always have to talk them off that ledge. Like, nope, the whole time we're working together, you'll be able to eat pizza. You'll be able to eat dessert. You'll have wine. Um, we're just gonna implement this at a reasonable pace, and you're gonna see awesome, awesome results. And you're gonna keep those results for a long period of time, hopefully your entire life, unless you choose to deviate. Right. So it's just that diet mindset going into things with the mindset of I'm going to do this specific task to get to this specific goal and there's no exit strategy, there's no baseline habits built. So the way to offset this is to really focus on building a base first. And when I say a base, I mean habits that become actual habits, actual routines that you stick to year round, they're not overly restrictive and they serve you, they help you, So, and they're healthy. So for example, uh, if you are stopping at Dunkin' Donuts every morning and getting a donut and a culotta, and then you're skipping lunch and then snacking in the pantry uh, at 3 or at 5 p.m., uh, and then you're eating a, a relatively healthy dinner, and then you're still starving at night, and you're eating half a pint of ice cream, and you're uh, having you know three beers, and that's your relatively normal behavior, a diet's not going to fix that. You got to change that first. You got to get that day-to-day -day behavior more in line with what your actual goal is. <clears throat> Once you have that behavior in line and it's something that's routine and feels good and you enjoy and you can stick to it pretty easily, 
then you can lose weight because now you just take that behavior that you're used to doing and you slightly tweak it to initiate weight loss. And then when you lose the weight, guess what you do? You go back to the baseline behavior that you built. Total, total misstep in 99.9% of people who diet. They don't even bother to work on that baseline behavior and they just go right to the diet and then it's done and they go back to what they were doing before because they have no baseline habits built. So the diet mindset can be fixed by just building those baseline habits. Number two is going to be the uh, I should be further along by now uh, mindset. This is when someone starts you know, working out for the first time or they have been on and off for years and this is their most recent time and they've been tracking their food or they've been doing whatever diet they're choosing to do. They've been doing their workouts and maybe they get to like their 30th workout or their 50th workout or their fourth month in, whatever it is. And they immediately, they, they have this, this thought of like, oh, I really should be further along by now. Like I thought I was going to lose 30 pounds in four months and I've only lost, you know, 10 pounds. I should be further along by now. They get discouraged. It causes them to start to deviate a little bit. It causes them to maybe, you know, resent the process. Maybe they start to pull back, you know, letting things slide now because they're just feeling not as motivated they skip a few workouts and then it just leads them to going back to that old behavior or you know at best they're kind of just towing the line where they're you know they're showing up they're doing they're doing moderate effort in their workouts they're kind of sticking to their diet but they're not really you know sticking to it eight even 80 percent and this mindset is driven by it's kind of a side effect of the chronic diet mindset is your ex- your expectations are not in line with reality, for, for lack of a better word. Um, you're expecting these high-level, Instagram-worthy, TV-worthy, drastic results on a short time frame. And most of the time, this is because someone is either A, used to chronically dieting and getting that quick hit of, uh, you know, that quick dopamine hit of result right away, but then they stop and they just associate dieting and nutrition with the quick results. So for example, they do something fucking stupid like Octavia and they lose 30 pounds in two months. They don't realize they've trashed their metabolism and lost mostly water and muscle, but then they gain it all back. And now every time they go on a diet, they're expecting it to be like that. Oh, I'm going to lose 30 pounds in two months. So their expectation is not in line with how it's really supposed to go. Like re- in reality, you know, depending on where the, again, it always depends on the person, depending on where the person is, you know, 10 pounds in four months, it might be perfect for some, some person. There's people who maybe 10 pounds in a year might be a perfect rate of weight loss for them because maybe their metabolism is so trash when they come in that there's a lot of, you know, rebuilding that needs to do. Maybe they have no muscle and over the course of losing that 10 pounds of fat, they've gained, you know, or maybe they've lost 20 pounds of fat and they've gained 10 pounds of muscle. So the scale only goes down 10 pounds, but they look like they've lost 30 pounds. Like there's so much that goes into that. But my overall point is that if you're 30 workouts in, two months in, three months in to a, to any sort of program that you're doing. Um, should you be seeing results? Yeah, you should be seeing results. But you got to define like what a result is. It's not just about weight loss. It's not just about changing the mirror. Like, are you, do you have more energy? Are you getting stronger? Do you feel better? Do you sleep better? Is your appetite regulated? Do you feel like your, you know, are your metabolic markers going better? Like, are you getting hunger cues uh, every few hours? Are you being consistent? Does the process feel good and easy? Maybe not easy 
uh, super easy at times, but does the process feel doable for you? Have you been sticking to this longer than you've stuck to anything else? Like, are you noticing changes in the mirror, even if they're not Instagram-worthy you know, uh, transformation pics, but like, are you noticing changes in the mirror? Like, what's going on? Um, the whole I should be further along by now thing is just a recipe for frustration. You have to have a realistic expectation of where you're at and what your individual journey needs to look like. And for me, I try really hard to communicate that to clients when I'm working with them. Like, I really fully understand, like, where are you in your life, in your journey, you know, uh, metabolically, behaviorally, work schedule, ability to adhere, stress, all that stuff. Like, where are you at? What is a realistic expectation for you? Like, what does your timeline look like to get to this goal? And your timeline your timeline has had nothing to do with how motivated you are or how bad you want to lose the weight. Your timeline has to do with what are the life where are the is your diet history and history with this process look like and what are the real life hurdles that are in the way and also what are the real sacrifices that you're actually willing to make because if someone tells me that they want to look like a competitive bodybuilder but they want to drink every weekend that's probably not realistic right but it doesn't mean that wanting to drink every weekend is wrong it just means you have to have a realistic idea of what your health and fitness should look like you don't need to look like a fucking bodybuilder to be healthy. I'd even argue that looking like a bodybuilder most times is probably very unhealthy. You have to figure out like what's healthy for you and what is your timeline look like and how consistent are you actually being. But if you have this whole I should be further along by now by month three or it's shit. Even like if even if you're eight months in and you're like I should be further along by now, should you? Are you actually being as consistent as you think you are? Are you just not appreciating how far along you have come? If you stuck to something for eight months, that's fucking phenomenal. Like you should be proud of that. That's a result in itself. So this isn't a way to like, you know, trick people into like just um, absurdly just practicing self love, but not actually getting the results they want. You're gonna get the results you want, but like it takes time and it takes consistency, and you're probably offsetting years and years and years of behavior. So going into something with the idea that you're going to like go from A to Z in six months is really unrealistic. The goal is to get from A to B and then from B to C and then from C to D, then from D to E. And it takes time and everyone's timeline is different. The real result is sticking to it and not giving up. That's the result. So if I can get a client to lose the weight they want to lose and love the process along the way and get consistent the, that's the goal right there is is the consistency because if you're consistent you're gonna lose the weight you want to lose so the whole i should be further along by now is very very um uh what's the word i'm looking for uh it's just a great way to like sabotage the process if you feel like you should be further along take a good honest look at your consistency and you know you can tweak that as necessary but like don't try to rush the process it's going to take as long as it's going to take <clears throat> Number three is the, uh, maybe I'm just not meant to be thin. I hear this a lot from people who, they're chronically yo-yo dieting. They're chronically hopping on and off diets. They have the whole, I should be further along mentality. They are not really paying attention to the, what their actual behavior is like. And they're just like, well, maybe I'm just not meant to be thin. You know, your genetics play a role in the process. But your genetics only make up the last, like, 5%. Which means, and I've talked about this before, if you take two people, one of them has quote unquote good genetics, and one of in relation to like their body composition, and one of them has quote unquote bad genetics in relation to their body composition, and you put them on the the same structured strength training, the same structured program, 
modify to their you know to their level let's say they're both at the same fitness level same age same body weight but they both just have different genetics and they're they have equal consistency equal effort in the gym uh equal calorie deficits what's going to happen is the person with the good genetics maybe they'll get let, let's say they lose um 12 pounds the person with the bad genetics might lose 10 pounds that's the difference is like that five percent difference it's not the difference between never being thin and being overweight that's your behavior that's the side effect of your behavior so if you're in your 40s and you're like maybe i'm just not meant to be thin it's not about that it's about taking a good honest look about what you've been doing since you were 18 19 20 and if that is in line with someone who is not living a healthy lifestyle or is chronically yo-yo dieting or has been damaging their metabolism then yeah, you're not gonna be at the body composition you wanna be right now. But if you make these changes, you can get there. It's not too late by any means. So the whole I'm not meant to be thin, that's just a, a barrier we put up. It's a it's a it's something to make ourselves feel better about our lack of consistency or or, or you know, our lack of healthy behaviors. There's nothing genetically that's preventing you from being thin there's nothing spiritually that's preventing it it's your behavior it's your mindset towards it so if you view yourself as someone who's not meant to be thin then it's very likely that you're not going to be thin but it's because you're viewing yourself that way so you know i'm not saying that being thin is the end-all be-all that you have to be that way but i'm saying if your goal is to lose weight and you're telling yourself that you're not meant to you're probably going to act in a way that supports that belief because that's how our minds work we tell ourselves a story and then we behave subconsciously in a way to support that story. So if someone tells themselves, I'm always going to be single, I'm never going to get married, they're probably not going to get married because they're always going to find a reason to support that reality. It's very crazy and it's very true. <clears throat> Number four is going to be good versus bad foods. So this is the person that views certain foods as these are the healthy foods that I'm supposed to be eating. These are the bad foods that make you me gain fat. And they don't have an understanding as to calories or calorie balance or, or you know, the, the effects that maybe some foods have on our behavior. And they just view them as good and bad. And what happens with this mindset is you approach a diet and you're like, all right, I'm going to eat good. I've heard that a lot, right? I'm going to eat good for the next eight weeks to get to this goal, to get to this wedding, to get to this party, this vacation. I'm going to eat good. What does that mean for most people? It means they're going to eat bland foods that they don't really like, or they're going to be super restrictive, or they're going to like cut out sugar or cut out carbs, and they're going to have no baseline built. Again, this is like that diet mentality, no baseline built. So then as soon as they taste a quote-unquote bad food again, they go off the rails, and they just overindulge on it for long periods of time, sometimes days, weeks, months. And I've seen it, like I've seen this happen uh, to people, and it's it's shocking how how drastic the shift can be. Um, I remember I was I was coaching this one person, and, and they had a coworker who was doing seventy five hard. I don't know if you've heard of seventy five hard, but essentially seventy five hard is like seventy five days in a row. Um, it's it's this drastic you know approach to to fitness, and it's essentially like you have to work out twice a day. You have to stick to one diet, no deviations. You have to stick to that diet every single day. You have to um, uh, read every day. You have to drink a gallon of water. It's just very, very strict. You can't drink alcohol uh, for 75 days. And this person stuck to it. 
they were very, you know, very all in on this. And they stuck to it for 75 days straight, um, lost 20 pounds. And if you hear that and you're like, oh, my God, I want to try that, just wait. Lost the 20 pounds, uh, you know, was super consistent. And by day 70, he was already planning his cheat meal on day 76. Like once this is over, this is what I'm gonna, where I'm going to go. This is the food. And, was, and he's obsessing over it for the last five days. Day 76 comes, goes to that restaurant, overeats, and then no exaggeration for the next three months. It was like almost disturbing. I'm talking about like just walking around the office eating candy out of a big bag, you know, grabbing donuts, like ordering pizza in the middle, like just completely off the rails other end for months. Not only gained back the 20 pounds, but probably gained back 10 pounds more, just wasn't stopped working out, just like just completely the other way. And it's just that whole good versus bad mindset. This is my good behavior. This is my bad behavior. And it actually makes the bad behavior more uh, appealing. So when you over-restrict like that and you're viewing certain foods as good or certain foods as bad, it's very distorted. Most of the time with these, these bad foods, um, it just means that they have more calories than normal. And it means that they're, you know, they're very calorie dense. So essentially like a brownie or a cookie, right? You don't, it looks like a small serving, but there's so much like sugar and fat packed into that small serving that you're able to eat that one cookie con- and you're consuming um, let's say 200 calories in that one little cookie, but you don't feel full from it. And the flavor profile like blocks off those like satiety signals. So like basically you don't feel full from those 200 calories. So it's easier to overeat more. So you might have five cookies eat, a th- which it would be a thousand calories, but you don't feel like you've eaten five cookies. You're like, oh, like I could beat more if I wanted to. And that might be the difference between a successful diet day and an unsuccessful diet day. But most people eat the five cookies because they're, they view this as bad. So they eat one, like, well, I'm already in it, so I might as well just keep going, and then they eat five. If you understand, oh, well, this cookie is only 200 calories, I could fit that into my day, and you eat one cookie, and you're also pretty full because you've had a good day of, um, I, don't, I use the term too, and I, I don't mean a good day, but you've had a successful day in the sense of you've hit your protein goals, your calories are within range, you've eat, been eating whole, nourishing uh nutrient-dense foods, you eat the one cookie, and you're like, okay, that was 200 calories, I understand that that didn't ruin my day, and you move on. And that's that's what flexible dieting is all about. Flexible dieting isn't about how to eat five cookies and not get fat. Flexible dieting is about understanding there's no good and bad foods. You should just have certain behavioral uh, markers in place for your day, and then when you want to have a cookie or you want to have a glass of wine, it's not that big of a deal because you know how to work that into a healthy diet. Number five. Weekends are hard, in quotes. Um, Weekends are tougher. I'll give you that. But if you approach every weekend like, oh, man, weekends are so hard to stay on track, you're probably going to go off track because (coughs) you are going to behave in a way that supports that belief. So if you believe weekends are difficult, weekends will always feel difficult because you've convinced yourself that they are. And they are you know, factually a little bit more difficult than the week because it's not as structured. You're probably not getting up as early. So there's less time in the day. That's a big one too, because there's less time in the day. There's less time to hit your protein goals, things like that. Um, You tend to socialize on the weekends. So it's a little harder to say no to things, or maybe there's just more, you know, high calorie foods or drinks around. You're also mentally, you know, 
you got through another week of work. You worked hard. You, you know, if you have a career, a job, whatever it is, you got kids, they have stuff going on on the weekends. You're, you're bouncing around. They are, it is a little bit harder than, than during the week. And that's totally understandable, but they're not impossible. And if you tell yourself that it's hard every single week, it's going to feel harder. And I tell you this because I've done that before. I have done literally every every mistake that you guys ha, uh, have ever made. I've probably made too, and that's why I don't talk from this from a just a, like reading a fucking textbook and, and thinking this stuff. This is from experience with me and experience with clients. So if you think the weekends are hard, they're going to feel hard because you're going to get to the weekend and you're like, oh no, I'm going to be on track this weekend. I'm going to be on track this weekend. And then that first meal, you, you know, you're just like, okay, it wasn't too bad, and you're getting close to the end of the day, and you're starting to relax. Like, oh man, a drink would just taste really good right now or like oh i just want to order a pizza i haven't had pizza in a while and then you just like go off the rails and once you eat that you're like oh well i just shot today and let me uh i'll just start over on monday now you got you know two or three days of inconsistency under your belt weekends are tougher but there are ways that you can make them more in line with your behavior the biggest suggestion i can give to people is just to try to hit like i would say 80 percent of your protein goal before dinner and while maintaining like, you know, and while pairing those proteins with like a produce and that way when you get to dinner, you've probably feeling a little bit more full and you are able to make more mindful choices and you know you've already had 80% of your protein for the day, which means you can pretty much easily hit 20% of your protein no matter what you eat for dinner. So if you are a female, let's say, and need to eat 150 grams of protein, you know, I would say try to get to... 100 or 120 by the end of the day and, and 100 is not even uh 80 it's only like 66 percent uh, so like if you can get to 100 grams of protein uh 120 grams of protein before dinner you're gonna be way more full and you're gonna make a better choice so if you're going out with friends instead of starving yourself all day and then going out and just blowing it out at dinner you know try to eat 30 to 40 grams of protein three times before you go one of them probably being within like 60 to 90 minutes before you go to dinner and you're going to feel way more full and you're going to make way better choices and you're not going to feel uh, the urge to, to overeat. Think about if you're sitting at a dinner table and you feel full and you feel satiated, the chances that when someone's like passing around uh, the bread basket that you're going to like reach in and grab two slices and slather them with butter are probably pretty, pretty low. But if you're starving and you're telling yourself, I'm not allowed to eat this, and then someone pressures you a little bit and just nudges you off that ledge, eat that one slice, and you're like, oh, my God, I fucking blew it. I'm just going to – I'll just start again on Monday. So weekends are tougher, but there's a lot of strategies you can use to keep them in line. My biggest one is no matter how busy you are, try to get in your protein every you know three to four hours. Even if you have to utilize things like shakes on the weekend, <clears throat> a little bit more so during the during the week. I think that's a if that's going to help you keep in line, I think I'm totally cool with that. 6. Uh the the hesitation to eat the same quote unquote the same foods all the time in the in the frustrated voice, right? I just oh, I just I don't want to eat the same foods all the time. I have this conversation with people a lot. They're just like they're they're going into it already giving themselves an out. I had I had I've had people who I've worked with and we're, we've worked through these mindset these mindset hurdles. But I remember one specific client I was working with about a year ago. Um, she, we we got her set up and like you know um, 
when I say we, I'm always talking about like me and the client. It's not like me and like a staff of people because it's just me. Uh, me and the client, like we 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 t- we talked and we we you know we came up with okay, like, like let's try this lunch and see if it works for you because it was food that she liked and it was within her protein goal and whatever. whatever. Anyway, she was like, yeah, I'm really enjoying the lunch. Um, it's working for me, and we're like three days in, and she's like, I'm just already like you know getting a little worried about like I'm, that I'm gonna get sick of it. So she was already setting herself up to bail on this plan. Now, because she had a coach and she had, you know, and she had me, I understood that, okay, this lunch is working for you because it has 30 grams of protein, 35 grams of protein, and it's around, you know, 400 calories and you like the taste of it, which means we could fit like 11 to 15 different options in that same meal, in that same template. So if someone's eating a turkey sandwich um, with, whatever popcorn let's just say that's their lunch and they enjoy that and that gets them 35 grams of protein and it keeps their calories in check and they like and they enjoy it and they start to get sick of it there's a ton of stuff we can plug in to get the same calorie protein numbers it's just that people aren't aware of that they're just like oh well this food is what's working so if i change the food then i'm not going to see results realistically like they think that like they they are chained to these foods which makes them rebellious against it which makes them wants to which makes them want to uh, resist against it. So, so I, if you tell someone you have to eat egg whites every morning, then after five days, I'm like, fuck these egg whites. I don't want to eat them anymore, right? But if you make people understand that, hey, you just got to get 35 grams of protein in in the morning, this is an option that's probably pretty convenient for you, but here's like 10 other options that may work for you. It's a little harder to say you're going to get sick of it. It's just that people don't take the time to understand that. They're just strictly looking at, I have to eat the same foods all the time. The other part of this argument that I always go over is that if you audit your day-to-day behavior over the last six months, guarantee you, you've probably eaten 80% of the time the same fucking foods every single week. You probably eat the same breakfast, the same lunch, uh, one of three to five dinners every single week. You probably eat at the same three to four restaurants and get the same one or two dishes at those restaurants. Uh, You eat the same foods all the time right now. You're just not paying attention to it, and it's because they're all mostly calorie-dense foods that you're not having to worry about, quote-unquote. Um, so you're just like, oh, I, I don't want to eat the same foods all the time. I don't want to eat uh, the same lunch every day. We eat the same lunch every day now. It's just that the lunch you eat now is probably a 1,000-calorie salad from Panera that you don't understand has a 1,000 calories in it, or you're you know, bringing the same ham and cheese to lunch every day with Cracker Jacks, and you're just like, well, I don't want to. I just don't want to eat the same foods all that all the time. Well, you're eating the same foods all the time. You just don't want to make better choices because it's going to be different from what you're doing now. So you have to understand that most people, mo- people thrive off fucking routines. So people, even if when they're not paying attention, they create routines for themselves. So you're in a routine right now, right now. If you're listening to this, even if you're not watching your nutrition, even if you're not working out, you are in a routine, whether you realize it or not. You have a routine. But your routine is just not in line with your goals. So if we can get your routine in line with your goals, you're going to see results and you're going to thrive. You're in routine right now. You're just resistant to change because people don't like change. So eating the same foods all the time has a lot of benefit. You probably do it already. You're just not paying attention. Um, I think repetition is the hot friend of consistency. It's uh, you want the hot friend around, right? <laughs> so uh, whether you're if you're a girl and your uh, your guy cousin has a hot guy friend, when you go to the barbecue, you're like, oh man, I hope the hot guy friend's there. Uh, if you're a guy and your 
sister has a hot friend. You're like, oh man, I hope she bought. The, I hope she's bringing the hot friend to Thanksgiving this year, right? You want the hot friend around. Repetition is the hot friend of consistency. It you want it around. It's it serves you. It's it makes it the process easier to deal with. Um, if you're trying to create a new menu every single day to f- hit your calorie and protein goals, guess what? It's going to be hard. It's going to be overwhelming. You're not going to be able to keep up with it. And it's an unrealistic expectation. So eating the same foods most of the time has a lot of value. You just got to find the foods that you enjoy and understand that once in a while, if you do start to get sick of them, you have other options that can help, that can fit into that same template. So it doesn't mean if you get sick of chicken, that you go eat mac and cheese. It means if you get sick of chicken, you try salmon. If you get sick of salmon, you try shrimp. If you get sick of shrimp, you try some sirloin steak. If you get sick of that, try some ground turkey. Sick of that, try some turkey breast. Sick of that, try some pork tenderloin. Like there's always an option to get you to your goal. It's just you're setting yourself up for disappointment. Number seven. Uh, this one is is more so for people who are either beginners or they just don't understand training all that that well but it's the whole like i don't want to overdo it um when people are you know sedentary and they they're sitting you know nine to twelve hours a day haven't worked out in years and then they're like oh i don't want to overdo it and there is truth to that i don't think that you should overdo it it's just people go into it already with a reason to not push themselves to the point of a little bit of discomfort. Now, there's a lot of gray area here. There's a lot of nuance here. Am I saying that you should go from not working out to working out six days a week? Absolutely not. But if you are sedentary and don't work out too often or you know want to lose a substantial amount of weight, your, your threshold for overdoing it is actually way higher than you think. So you might think overdoing it is going to the gym, uh, you know, three days and doing a, a full body workout with moderate weights. That might feel like overdoing it to you. And in the short term, what's the worst that'll happen if you overdo it? Um, generally speaking, it'll probably mean that you'll be a little bit more sore than you want to be, but that goes away. So it doesn't mean that you go in and like beast mode and crush yourself. But if you're setting the expectation, like I don't want to overdo it, I don't want to overdo it. But for most people who have that expectation, they also have the diet mindset. They also have the I should be further along by now. They also have the good versus bad foods and, and you know all these other mindset blocks going on. So they go in, I don't want to overdo it, which is cool. That's fine. But then they don't really push themselves and they're also then they don't see the results as fast as they want. And then they get mad and then they back off. So, again, nuance depends on the person. If someone's a complete beginner, I don't think you should overdo it. But does... But I do think you just have to understand what overdoing it means. Getting 10,000 steps a day and doing two workouts a week is not going to overdo it. Um, you know, doing a goblet squat with a 15-pound dumbbell when you're used to doing an 8-pound dumbbell is not going to overdo it. Overdo it is going to be if you've never worked out before and you go join uh, a group class and you go seven days in a row. That's overdoing it. But if you are afraid to lift the 15 because you're only used to using the 10s, um, you're just limiting yourself and you have a self-limiting belief that you're weaker than you think than you actually are. You can lift the 15. I guarantee it. Go do it today. Um, number eight is going to be self-sabotage disguised as self-care. Uh, this is a big one uh, that I see uh, not necessarily with clients, but I just see it a lot on like social media. People post about it. Um, 
this idea that like self care is drinking a bottle of wine and binge watching your show and eating a gallon of ice cream. And, you know, for some people, um, you know, if you actually, I don't really necessarily think that's a good idea for anybody, but, uh, it's just understanding that, you know, you got to find what works for you, obviously, and everyone's different, whatever, but it's just the overall idea that self care is giving into indulgences and, uh, just pleasure seeking, based on uh, foods that taste good or behavior that, that that forces you to relax or whatever. Now, there is a time and a place for that. Like, there's a time and a place for just chilling on the couch and vegging out, like, totally. But when you're promoting this um, behavior towards someone who's trying to better their lives, what happens is they view the process of working out and eating healthy as, like, a chore or punishment and then they view sitting on the couch eating ice cream uh, and binge-watching Netflix as a form of comfort and a form of self-care. So what happens is that just creates this distorted relationship with the process. They're viewing exercise and nutrition as punishment and a chore, but they're viewing Netflix and ice cream and wine as self-care. So if you, like we just talked about a couple times, if that's your belief how long can you stick to punishing yourself 80% of the time and then caring for yourself 20% of the time? You should be caring for yourself 100% of the time. There's going to be times where it's not perfect, but 100% of the time, the decisions you make should be with the goal of caring for yourself, with the goal of making your life better. And occasionally, that's going to mean having a bottle of wine with your with your spouse or you know, ordering that pizza with your family instead of eating your planned dinner. Yeah, yeah, there's absolutely a place for that. But not with the mindset that the alternative is a chore or a burden. Working out is self-care. Preparing your meals uh, in advance so that you can stick to your diet is self-care. Going for walks and getting 10,000 steps is self-care. Self-care isn't about like gorging out on comfort food and, you know, releasing all of your responsibilities. You know, it's cool to de-stress. It's cool to uh, unplug, and I totally get that, and I do it too. Like, you know, on Sundays I try to unplug from work and and not, you know, do work things and just, you know, focus on spending time with my family, and if that means... We're going to go out for bagels or we're going to sleep in or me and my wife are going to have a bottle of wine. Then, like, yeah, that's cool. But I'm not at a place where, like, drinking an entire bottle of wine to my face and eating shit food all day is self-care because at the end of the day, I'm going to feel like shit. Um, It's self-sabotage. And people will then do that over and over again throughout the month and be like, oh, it's self-care, self-care post a picture of, you know, the pizza self-care. It's like, that's not self-care. It's part of the overall process. You know, it's always part of a healthy lifestyle to in- enjoy those foods. But if you're viewing exercise and eating healthy as punishment or a burden and you're viewing uh, sitting on the couch eating ice cream and doing nothing as self-care, you're only going to be able to stick to exercise and nutrition for so long because you're viewing it in a way that is distorted. You're viewing it as a way of punishment, Exercise and good nutrition is self-care. And, you know, doing things for your mental health is self-care. Exercise and nutrition are amazing for your mental health. So it is self-care. So just keep that in mind. Hope that makes sense. Uh, Number nine is that cardio makes you thin and weights make you bulky. This is a mindset block that just prevents weight loss. It's what, you know, puts people out there and they're 
just doing cardio and they're never lifting weights because they don't want to get bulky or they uh, or they say I want to lose the weight first and then I'll focus on building the muscle because they're just obsessed with seeing the scale come down and if you've approached it like this over and over again and still haven't seen the results you want then maybe it's time for a change now it's funny I posted a uh, I don't know if, if you guys are listening to this, you, if you also follow me on Instagram, but I've been posting these reels lately where it's like a dialogue and I'm talking as a coach and I'm also talking as a dieter or a client. And they're very, they're, they're, they're comical in nature and they're supposed to be funny. They're supposed to be tongue in cheek and they're supposed to be slightly exaggerated to get the point across. But I talked about how someone was afraid of getting bulky and, you know, their, I, uh, you know, approach to weight loss was eating a thousand calories and doing 90 minute spin classes and, the coach was basically saying, like, that's not how you're going to get there. And someone commented on it and said I was shaming people uh, for doing spin and that, uh, you know, anyone who is moving their body shouldn't be shamed and how uh, it doesn't make me better than anyone else to, to shame someone else. Um, so first off, I don't think I'm better than anyone. <laughs> uh, if you know me personally, you probably already know that. Second of all, I'm not shaming anyone from doing fucking anything. I think if you're out and you're moving your body and you're making an attempt to, to be healthier, that's awesome. I don't care if you do spin. I don't care if you do fucking Zumba. If you're getting up and making the time to exercise, I think that's awesome. I think that's phenomenal. And you're going to get really good health results from that. I don't even have a problem with people who are over. I don't care. Do whatever you want. My issue is with someone who's doing something in one way, expecting a different result, and then constantly complaining about it, and then unwilling to change. That's that's what gets me. Is because if I if someone is asking for advice, and then I'm giving them advice, and it's just not what they're used to hearing, and then they're resistant to it, and they continue to do things they they were doing, and then are constantly complaining about the lack of results. That's when it's frustrating because it's like, well, I'm giving you the answer right here. I'm telling you what to do. You just don't want to do it. So if you like to do spin and that's all you're going to do, that's totally cool. If you're doing it and you're complaining that you're not getting toned or you're not losing weight, then we need to have a talk about what you actually need to be doing. What happens is with, with spin or any sort of cardio with running, elliptical, whatever it is, when that's the only thing that you're doing, it's there's not a lot of room for progression over time when it comes to weight loss. Like you can progress with your endurance and stuff, but at the end of the day, if you're not doing any some any form of strength training, um, you're not going to build up your metabolism the way you want to. And and after a while, you're going to notice that you hit a plateau. And if you're if you hit that plateau and you're happy with where you're at, and that's where you want to stay, and you just want to do spin because you enjoy it, and you just want to stay where you're at, that's awesome. I'm totally cool with that. But if you get to a point where like, well, I'm at this plateau and I don't know how to change, but I'm afraid to lift the weights because I don't want them to make me bulky, then I want to educate you on why lifting weights won't make you bulky. Doing strength training will build up your metabolism. It'll initiate lean muscle growth. The processes that your body has to go through to build lean muscle is very calorie expensive to keep lean muscle is very calorie expensive. So what that means is you burn more calories when you're trying to build muscle and when you're trying to support muscle. So if you wanna lose fat and you're strength training and trying to support that lean muscle, guess what's gonna happen? You're gonna burn more calories throughout the day and you're gonna lose fat at a better, more sustainable rate and you're gonna look 
closer to the way you want to look because when you build muscle, that's what gives you that lean toned kind of look. Now, if you tell me, Adam, I don't want to lift weights. I'm never going to lift weights and I just want to do spin. I'm not shaming you and I think that's cool. And if you're cool with the results you're getting, I'm even more happy for you. And if you're not cool with the results you're getting, that's fine too. If you're unwilling to change, just you know, don't complain to me about it. Complain to someone else. I'm trying to educate you. But definitely not shaming anyone who is getting up and exercising. Um, I just don't like when um, someone is promoting that that's all you need to get lean and tone and then people are going into it with an unrealistic expectation because if you have a spin instructor who is lean and toned and you can see muscle definition in them and stuff, I'll bet you $1,000 that they do strength training in addition, in addition to spin. They lift weights in addition to that. And they're probably not lifting the pink five-pound dumbbells either. They're probably getting stronger. And I know really awesome spin instructors who are really motivating and really good at what they do. And I respect the hell out of them. And they all would probably agree with me that, yeah, you should probably strength train in addition to spin. And you should probably not eat only 1,000 calories a day, right? They would all probably agree with that. Um, I've trained the spin instructors. They've been clients of mine who I've helped them with their nutrition, who I've helped them learn how to strength train. So, like, I have nothing against spin, nothing against spin instructors, uh, not shaming anyone who enjoys it. I'm just trying to educate you on the absurdity of thinking that doing a 90-minute spin class and not eating enough protein and not strength training, if you think that's going to get you lean and toned, then you're just incorrect, and you can choose to, to, to change if you want. Number 10 is going to be uh, the all-or-nothing mentality. This is the, when I'm dieting, I'm all in, and when I'm not, I'm all out. So when I'm dieting, I'm, it's so easy for me to stay on track. I'm motivated. I'm eating right every day. I'm not eating pizza. I'm not drinking alcohol, blah, 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 working out six days a week. And then as soon as that stops, it's like running into a brick wall. Bounce back, like, you know, just crash, boom, crash and burn, eating whatever you want, not working out, not prioritizing your step count, not paying attention to protein. This is a delusion that people tell themselves in order to give themselves a reason to to not stick with it when it gets inconvenient. So if someone says, I'm all or nothing, and then as soon as they hit that first roadblock, they're like, and then they go off the rails. Or as soon as they they go off their diet, they go off the rails. And then, oh, I'm just an all or nothing person. You're not an all or nothing person. You're, uh, I choose to give up when things get too inconvenient person. Um, the all or nothing mentality, I get it. I've had it towards certain things in my life as well. But when I really dug in, it was like, no, I don't, I'm not all or nothing. I'm just unwilling to accept less results than I believe I'm entitled to. And it's a, it's a very interesting mentality. It's like, I'm willing to only put in this work if I know I'm going to get the exact results I want. And as soon as I don't get the results I want, then I'm fucking out, man. And I've had that mentality too towards things in my life that I was like, oh, I'm kind of like an all or nothing person. Like, no, you're not. You're just not willing to do it when it's inconvenient or when it's not paying off uh, on your terms. So the all or nothing mentality is kind of a delusion. It's not, uh, it's not actually who you are. It's who you're choosing to be. Uh, because if you if you define yourself as all or nothing, it's very hard to be all in all of the time. So what happens is you spend most of your time being in the nothing. So you're hard for eight weeks. You're off for four months. 
You're hard for six weeks, you're off for six months. So over the course of a year, you are spending the most of your time not doing the things you're supposed to do because you're claiming to be an all or nothing person. Number 11, almost done. Uh, delusional view of yourself, of your behavior. Uh, this is this is when people are kind of chronically justifying deviations and then not taking like ownership of it and then complaining about the lack of results. So again, not shaming anybody, but I have clients who are ad- who who admit to me like, hey, listen, these are the nutrition things that I'm not willing to change, and I'm okay not getting the results from that, and I'm okay getting the results that you know I can get from doing the things I'm willing to do. That was kind of wordy, but essentially, I've had a couple of clients uh, in my in my time. They're mostly mostly personal training clients. Because <clears throat> when we're doing personal training, like in-person sessions, we're usually mainly focusing on the workout, and then we're talking about nutrition. When I'm working with my online clients, we're covering fucking everything, um, and we're going like you know deep into this stuff. And I get deep into it with my my in-person clients, um, but I've just had some in-person clients who have straight up told me, and it's a very small percentage, but they're just like, listen, I'm doing the workouts, um, but yeah, like, and I'm I'm eating more protein. But I'm, hey, I'm fucking, I'm going to drink every weekend and I'm going to go out to eat four times a week, but I'm okay not having a six pack. Um, I'm just, but I want to continue to do the the workouts and get as much of the result I can, but they don't complain about the results they're not getting. So this is huge. Like, this is something that no one talks about. Like no coaches talk about this. Not all of your clients need to or are willing to do 100% of the things that you know they should be doing. Some of them aren't even willing to do 80% of the things you know they should be doing. Some of them are only really only willing to do 50-50. But if they're okay with it and they're not complaining and they're like, hey, I get it. I And honestly, some of my most successful clients are the ones who go, hey, I know what I'm doing wrong. It's not on you. I just got to you know, figure out how to fix this. And it might take them longer to fix that thing, but they don't fucking quit. They stick with it, and they just keep tweaking it along the way, and they're okay with the long-term result. No one talks about this. Like, literally, I've never heard another coach talk about this, but I know all coaches probably have clients like this. I have had clients who I've worked with for five years. Five years. They've been a client nonstop with me. And... They've been consistent with all the workouts. They've been slowly implementing some nutrition stuff, but they take responsibility for it. And they go, yeah, it's on me. I'm not making the nutritional changes. And then when they start to do it and they start to see the results, like, oh, wow, I should have been doing this the whole time. So, but the person I'm talking about as far as the mindset block is they don't take responsibility for their behavior and then just complain about the result. So they're like, you know, I had pizza last night, but it wasn't that bad, you know, because I just had two slices and there was vegetables on it. Or, uh, you know, I, I, I ate out over the weekend, but it, you know, it wasn't that bad because, like, I, I had chicken wings and I had two beers instead of getting fries and, uh, you know, four margaritas. Like, yes, those are better decisions, but they're not going to get you the result you want to get necessarily if you're doing that all of the time. So you have to have a realistic view. If you're telling me I'm frustrated that the scale is not going down or frustrating that I'm not noticing results in the mirror, but you, I see you're posting on Instagram that you're out drinking four nights a week and you're, you know, going on a vacation every month for a week, <laughs> for a week at a time and eating whatever you want, like then you can't complain about the lack of results that you're getting. And if you're cool, you're not shaming anyone. If you're cool with it, 
then fucking keep doing it. That's fine. There's certain nutritional changes that I'm not willing to make to get to a bodybuilder level physique, but I'm not complaining about not having bodybuilder level physique. I there's just certain changes I'm not willing to make. If I want to improve what I look like, I go, well, these are the things I know I need to change, and if I'm willing to change them, I do. And sometimes I may not want to change them, but I know I should, and then I change them anyway. So you got to have a realistic view of what your behavior is like. You can't live in this delusion and be like, well, why am I not losing weight? And then you're just you're doing all this stuff that you know you probably shouldn't be doing. And some people just don't know, and they just need like a, a third party to like point it out to them, and then they're like, oh, shit, I didn't realize that. Last one, this is a really big one, uh, and it's honestly like I could do a whole podcast on this one. But this is emotional trauma around food and exercise. And this is a, one area that I help a lot of clients work through. We, we, sh- no, I don't know, we, but a lot of people, um, definitely not me anymore as a coach, but a lot of people strictly view food as a way to either lose or gain weight. And when they're trying to lose weight, they're like, well, what calories should I, how many calories should I be eating? What diet should I go on? Um, what's the best workout for belly fat? Like they're just looking for a Band-Aid or a, a treatment of a symptom. They're not addressing what was your childhood like? What was your parents' relationship with food like? What was your parents' relationship with their bodies like? How did your parents talk to you about fitness? What is the, uh, you know, what did you grow up around? Did you have people who called you fat when you were a kid? Did you have people who shamed you for eating certain foods? Did you watch your mom or your dad chronically yo-yo diet? Like, what's your relationship around food and exercise? No one addresses this. They just constantly are looking for the next diet that's going to help them feel better, help them get to their result. And they're not understanding there's this big connection between how you grew up and the environment you're in and how that affects your view and your behavior towards food and exercise. If you grew up around a parent who is obsessively exercising and overly concerned with how they look, that might cause you to be a chronic dieter and someone who maybe has a you know, body dysmorphia or uh, a distorted way of eating, or maybe you're you're someone who is, you know, uh, too thin because you're over-exercising and under-eating and it's causing you, like, hormonal issues and metabolic issues. I've also seen when the parent is overly obsessive with exercise and, and working out and very body conscious, and it makes the uh, daughter or son rebellious, so they go the other direction. They eat whatever they want and take control of their body that way like well i'm not going to be like my mom and she was super psycho about the way she looks so i'm not going to care how i look and, I, and then they go the other swing and they eat whatever they want and then they get to a point where they have health issues and and they want to change and they're not confident in the way they look but they don't understand well why is it that every time i diet i then go way off track after a week well it's because you associate dieting with your mom's behavior and you don't want to do it so you subconsciously sabotage that cuz you just don't you have this internal fear of becoming your mom and we have to work on how to give you a healthier view of diet and exercise so that you can sustain it long term and don't constantly sabotage yourself <sighs> fucking mind blower for most people they're just like well i just thought i needed the right amount of calories no you need to fix this trauma around food this tr- this mental trauma around food and exercise that's the real issue so for a lot of people they just don't realize that they're carrying this weight with them uh no pun intended they're, they're just carrying this you know uh burden on their back this monkey on their back um of you know emotional trauma towards food and exercise and then they're tr- 
constantly, you know, not successful at diets and are wondering why. It's well, it's because you're sabotaging yourself because you have this emotional trauma. And there's a there's a hundred different versions of this, but it's something that you need to do some, you know, deep dive on with a coach or even on your own. If you feel like you've had trouble with sticking to diets or workouts in the past, take a good honest look about how you grew up, how was fitness talked about in your house, how is uh, how did your if you're a female, how did your dad talk about other females bodies how did your mom talk about her body and other females like your mom might have been in good shape but was she calling other people fat like that will affect you was your dad you know maybe not in great shape but he was like objectified women who looked good and you know maybe made your mom feel insecure about not being in shape that's gonna have a fucking huge effect on you if you're and i don't think men talk about this enough too but men have body dysmorphia as well i had it you know my I would still probably deal with it, you know, most days. I just I've I've learned to to work through it. But shit, I mean, point out one picture on my Instagram that I have my shirt off. Like, not that I would post those sort of pictures, but like, I don't post that shit. Not because you know I hate my body or anything like that, but like I just like you know I know I don't know. It's just like <laughs> it's, there's a mental block about it. Uh, not only do I want not want to promote fitness that way, but I also just don't love the way I look with my shirt off like all the time and if I see a picture of myself with my shirt off there's a 9 out of 10 chance I'm gonna fucking hate it even though my wife will tell me that she thinks I look great or people will uh, you know uh, call me jacked or say that I'm in good shape or identify me as that way it's like I don't always see myself that way because I have this body dysmorphia that I've been dealing with since I was a kid Um, you know and just people don't talk about that enough it's a huge part of the way you approach this stuff so anyway I've taken up almost an hour of your time if you've listened to this whole thing I hope you got a ton of value out of it um, I definitely poured a lot into this one, uh, and I assume you will probably have a, some questions. So feel free to reach out and, and let me know if this resonated with you. Let me know if you've you've thought any of the 12 things I talked about or if you just have questions and need me to clarify anything. But uh, thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you guys later.